are back. Did you miss us? Did you miss us? I know you did. I know. I know. Welcome back to another episode of the Great Debaters on the Dream Team Podcast Network. Shout out to all the Dream Team fiends out there yearning for some more Great Debater eat. Well, today we're talking A's baseball and there's no team hotter. I'm Mike Snow and always on this journey with me today is my partner in shine, Derek, my man. You can't spell baseball without the A's. That's what I'm talking about, Mike. What's good with you, man? I'm fired up. I'm excited. Hottest team in baseball. Man, I'm so pumped, dude. I'm so pumped. We got a special guest today, man. The man with the hottest takes on Twitter. One third of the hit show, Cutthroat Soup on the Dream Team Podcast. Go check him out. He's RA's brother, Andy Chase. What's up, brother, man? You ready? Oh, man, I'm ready. I got my Charlie O shirt on, my Kansas City A shirt on. You know, the best shirts that you can get are the ones they get out or they give out at the stadium. I got like six or seven different ones. Every time I put them on, I just get hyped for Oakland A's baseball. And right now is one of the most excited I've ever been. You got that right, man. I'm feeling so nostalgic right now, man. It's, it's, it's taking me back. You know, this team is quite great. But we got a stack show for you today, man. This is all for A's fans, non-A's fans, baseball fans, novelists that are looking for a bandwagon team. You're in the right place. We're going to dive into the A's hot start today. Best team in baseball? What do you think? Then we'll get into some likes and some dislikes of what we've seen in the beginning of the season. Also, who will the A's give the ball to if we have to go through one of those one-game wild cards or even game seven of the World Series? Is there an ace on the team? Do we have one? Second half, we'll take a trip down memory lane, and then we'll debate, do the A's have all the pieces right now to win a World Series? Who's a player, if needed, is out there via trade that would make sense for the A's to put them right over the top? Then last, we will get into some noteworthy kind of hot takes and some rapid fire. So I'm pumped, man. I got my A's gear on right now, and I got my A's ears on right now because I know Derek and Andy is getting ready to go hard in the paint. So let's do it. But first off, I need to do this. Just clapping it up, man, for you fellas. Just have to say, you guys did on the podcast, which please go check it out earlier about an A's broadcast of are the A's contenders. And you guys both kind of went to that the A's are not only contenders, but they should be World Series contenders and possibly World Series champions. And everything that you said has been spot on. Man, I am a sports junkie, but my first team is the Oakland A's, man. That's when I first started loving sports. I attached to the Oakland A's. I'm from Oakland. They were the town's team, and they were the best team in the late 80s. They kind of underachieved, but they were the best. Then they had, you know, I still followed them through the, the Tejada times to the times with Giambi, but I kind of lost it once the steroid era came back. But you guys with your episode really kicked a flame in me, sparked a flame, and I'm really ready to go. And I just want to hear from you, Andy, man. I, 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 you're first up to bat, man. Gloat, do what you got to do, boast, say what you're saying about, about the A's, man. Well, how do you feel about how the A's started? Did you know this was going to happen? Did they exceed anything? Are they underachieving? What say you, man? Man, I cannot say that they're underachieving. If I told you that, I would be lying. But I also would be telling you, if I'm surprised with how they started, I'd be lying as well. Because if you listen to any of the shows, I talk about the A's, any chance I get on every single show, because they're the most fun team to watch in all of sports right now. And the season beginning has definitely showed that. Um, going on, what was it, our nine or 10 game win streak, we went just crazy. We lost the last uh, two out of three games, but we got it back. Um, we're 13 and six, 19 games into the 60 game season. It's looking just fantastic. We got a few struggles. We'll touch on that in a second. But as far as my thoughts on the season start, man, we're on fire. I'm hyped. It's, we're, we're on track for whatever. Our, the destiny's in our hands. We can do whatever we want with this season. Man, uh, trust me, by listening to that, that podcast with you and seeing what's going on, I definitely think there's a bright future. And we got nothing but the top to go to, man, the apex. Derek, man. Take a bow, dude. Do what you got to do, man. You was very adamant about 
the A's being World Series contenders and possibly champions. Man, what's your take, man? Uh, what do you see? How, how's the season going so far? Man, well, I, I'm definitely excited, but I, I got to agree with the cutthroat Andy, man. Um, I, I'm a little surprised, you know, and going back to that, that particular podcast, I talked about the A's traditionally being slow starters. And that was one of my concerns, you know, if there was going to be a truncated season. So when I found out it was 60 games, I was a little hesitant. Did I still think they were World Series contenders? Absolutely. But a 13-6 and six start, the best record in baseball to this point. I couldn't be more excited with the way the season started. And, you know, it's funny because I, 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 I would like to take credit, but I do want to say I've been kind of backwards on a few things because a lot of the, you know, I looked at the starting pitching as the strength. And, you know, th thus far that hasn't really been the case. And I was kind of a little iffy on the bullpen. And the bullpen has been absolutely phenomenal. So, albeit um, – you know, things are going in the direction that I, I think they would and that I had hoped. I am surprised a little bit at the hot start and just kind of the way that we got to where we are today here sitting at 13 and six through the first 19 games. Man, I tell you, dude, like just seeing what's going on and seeing how the bats are just alive and really to just tell you the truth, I mean, we're in a slump right now. I mean, the batters have not really, you know, done the things as far as what we kind of expected maybe they were going to come out and do. You know, we got a couple, Marcus Simeon, Matt Olson kind of starting off slow, uh, Piscotti and all that. But yet and all, just like you said, the bullpen, man, has been lights out. I mean, they had a little hiccup, you know, with the Angels a couple of days ago. But from there, I mean, it's been like one of the best things as far as uh, X factors, really, to tell you the truth. And, uh, you know, with – Pete, I'm sorry, uh, what's what's the man's name? Um, Petit, man, that guy, he's the guy that you want when, you know, you got to move, you know, if you need a wingman, he'll be there <laughs> for you, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, this guy give you an inning if you need it. If you need two innings, he'll give you two, you know what I mean? If he needs you to start, he'll start. If you need him to save a game, he'll do that too. He's really been an X factor for me just watching and seeing how we've gotten to – to 13 games, you know, and wins and the nine-game win streak. I mean, what else is there to say about Matt Chapman, dude? I mean, really, if you look at his stats right now, if this was a 162-game season, he'd be on average to hit about 50 home runs, I think, right now. I'm not too sure with the actual numbers, so please hit us up on Instagram, TDD underscore Bay Area, with the actual numbers of, of what he's doing. But right now, how it looks with six home runs and 14 RBIs, the man has hit seven times or gotten seven hits when runners are in scoring position. You know, so he's, you know, 299 batting uh, on base percentage. It's okay. He's not really going to go and get any uh, bats or go, go and get any walks. He's going up there to swing. But it's so crazy that he can hit it in all different areas of the field. Him and your boy, Derek, laser. <laughs> you, you call him laser I call him razor man because that dude slices the ball like no other I mean he's the boogeyman if you really look at it dude I mean the man can give it and the man can take it away yesterday with the game with the angels man I mean he hit the ball he got in runs he took away runs I mean he was a one-man wrecking crew Andy yeah, I uh, I completely agree with you on most of that except for the fact that you said that we're in a slump and I disagree with that. I think we were in a slump when we lost about three to four games in a row when we got uh, – what is it? We got swept by the Rockies, and I was, that was a rough time. I would have said that that was probably our, our worst few games. But as far as that, I mean, we've been putting up, I mean, five, six, seven, eight-plus runs a game, and you're going to win most games that you put up that type of number. And also, yeah, our starting pitching, we did talk about that, Derek, has been extremely disappointing. Um, we have a few bright spots on there, but as far as a whole, it's been not good at all and not good enough for us to win the World Series, in my opinion, because when it comes down to playoff baseball, pitching is so, so important. And at this point, with Chris Bassett being one of our best starters, I don't think that's where we want to be. I'm not trying to diss Chris Bassett at all. He's been playing great this year. But 
we really, really, really need Sean Manaya to just figure it out. We need you to go more than four innings, more than five, without giving up five to six runs in one of those innings. So it's, it's been tough, but I think that there's not, it's not too cloudy in Oakland right now. No, and, and, and absolutely not. And, you know, you, you mentioned Chris Bassett, and I wanted to touch on him for a second, too. What a surprise for us. Um, you know, A.J. Puck projected to be in the starting rotation before the season has started, goes down right before the, the start of the season. And Bassett has been lights out. Uh, 2-0, 2.42 ERA, pitched 22 and a third innings for us so far. He has been a bright spot in that Oakland A starting pitching rotation. However, I mean, we knew Frankie good. I didn't know how good he has been great thus far. And again, you know, Mike, yes, my boy Laser, Ramon Laureano, uh, has been, I would say, arguably the most solid player thus far this year. But I I'm going to talk about somebody that, you know, I don't think is getting enough recognition. And that's my man, Robbie Grossman. Uh, oh, a thank a God. A uh, so me and my boy, we like to call him Bobby G. Uh, shout out my boy Shane, Bobby G, man, the only guy in the lineup hitting over 300, you know, hitting 311, three homers and eight RBIs, gold glove runner up last year with the struggles that Chris Davis has been going through and the way that we've kind of had to move around the lineup. I just don't see a scenario in which Robbie Grossman is not in the lineup day in and day out. He is great in the field. He's been even better at the plate. And what a pleasant surprise. And not to mention, you know, I touched on our bullpen. I mean, really, the surprise of the year has got to be Birch Smith coming out that bullpen. Yes. 2-0, and 10 and a third innings he's given us, has not allowed an earned run yet, and a strikeout-to-walk ratio of 10 strikeouts to one walk. And in that performance against the Rangers last week, when he was brought in to go, I believe it was three and a third. I mean, man, what an impressive performance. Got to give him the game ball for that. And overall, I just think that, uh, you know, it, it's been a lot on the bullpen's back. I mean, when you talk about Joaquin Soria, Deekman, TJ McFarlane combined have not allowed an earned run. And that's in 23 and a third innings. So the bullpen has been great. I think the bats uh, are starting to heat up. But, but I am going to go with you, Mike. I just feel like at the plate, we haven't really reached our potential yet. And when things start clicking, watch out. Watch out. Not just I think the A's have not only put the Astros and the American League West on notice. They've put Major League Baseball on notice that they are for real. Super scary. You know, when I was thinking about Laser, Razor, Ramon, I was telling Derek, man, I get nervous for the other team when he comes up because I'm just like, he's going to do something very, <laughs> very suspect, very scary. The man is the boogeyman. And I do have to agree with you uh, partially, Andy, that, you know, you are saying that we haven't been in the slump, and the A's are averaging right now close to six runs in the last 10, 10 games, 5.8 a game in the last 10. So mm -hmm. they don't have any problem getting runs, you know. And then you got Robbie freaking Grossman. Robbie freaking Grossman, man. Hey, no, Bobby I mean, G. Robbie has four stolen bases. That is not a small guy. And he's tied for second in the league behind, like, Tatis Jr., Trevor Story, faster dudes than him. And he's second in the league with four stolen bases. I mean, he's been one of the most fun players to watch this year for the A's, for sure. But when you're talking about Ramon, and you can't talk about Ramon without talking about what happened with the Astros – um, a couple games ago, and shout out my Twitter, Andy underscore hot underscore takes. Check me out there. I went stupid viral with a tweet about Ramon Moriano. Got about 750 likes. You know, I was going crazy. I was pretty excited. Uh, yeah. Is it fair? Is it fair or foul? Is it fair or foul what he did, uh, Andy? Uh, totally fair. Totally, totally fair. You get hit three times in one series by some garbage cheating team, and then have a, a a, a hitting coach come at you, say things about your mother. Now, I'm going to be honest here. Anybody says something about my mother, it's on. Like, there's yeah. no, no questions asked. Doesn't matter who you are, it's on. And the fact that it was a coach 
and not even a player, unacceptable. Never should happen in any sport, let alone baseball. You should never call a player over to fight you if you are a coach and then hide behind behind players, man. It's just pathetic. What say you, Derek? Fair or foul? Yeah, man. Uh, Fair. Definitely fair. I think that, you know, people are going to argue that you can't be baited. But again, speaking about somebody's mother and just the heat of the moment, I think obviously we don't want to forget the backstory here. And, and with, you know, um, the Astros hitting the A's so many times is it was Mike Fires and the A's that were the ultimate quote unquote whistleblower as far as the cheating scandal goes. So you knew there was going to be some bad blood there. Uh, but I, I just think that when you really sit back and you digest the situation as a whole, I think that Loriano was provoked. And, you know, that there's always going to be, you know, for every action, there's a reaction. And I think that, you know, what he did, you know, I think the suspension was probably warranted. But I think that six games is completely egregious. And I'm hoping that he wins this, uh, this suspension here, this appeal, excuse me. Yeah, I'm I'm with you on that one, man. I I definitely hope he uh, gets the appeal, maybe five games, maybe four games. But I got to go foul, man. Uh, we're in a pandemic right now. And if, you know, just losing him for the five games, man, who's going to pick up? I mean, maybe Grossman takes over and uh, we got Canna out there. But there's going to be a, a gap, you know, with our production. And I, like I said, I do feel like there is a, a bit of a slump right now, but I do see it coming out, like Chapman's coming out of his slump. Marcus Simeon's kind of in a slump. You know, Tony Kemp's been really good as far as getting out of his slump. But we need the bat for Ramon, you know what I mean? And especially with, with the power and, you know, any of the home runs. I mean, the A's right now are 0-4 in games where they don't hit a home run. And they're 13-2 when they do hit a home run. So it looks mm-hmm. like, you know, the old school bashing is what, you know, what we've been doing. I feel like, you know – you never want to talk about someone's mother. You, it, that's going to be a touchy subject and a trigger point for anybody. But just to know that we're in the pandemic, we have to social distance. And if, you know, both teams or even the A's were to have to come out with an outbreak, let alone Loriano being gone for six games, mm. you know, that can be huge for the MLB and what's going on. But I am surprised. I still am surprised. I love him, you know, and I love his fire and his zest. But and, and I was kind of taken back by it, but I've been taken back by this A's team, just how complete they've been. The bullpen, like I said, lights out. Um, they had the little hiccup, but it's okay. You know, the NL and the AL West teams have been pretty much probably like in fear of what's going on with the A's, even though we have been in a, a slump. And it has been a love fest right now for the A's, but we got to be honest, you know, and they have been a bright sport for Bay Area sports right now, doing that the Warriors suck. You know, and we don't have a a Raiders team anymore. 49ers coming off a Super Bowl loss. Um, We need something to kind of gather around and galvanize around, and and that's what the A's have been. So Mm -hmm. that's a great thing, but they're only 13-6. and They have lost six games, and there's been some bad and some very questionable things that have happened so far. For one, what's going on with Crush? Chris Davis, man, once our – our hitter, man, the guy, I don't even want to see him come up when he, I mean, he's, he's a strikeout waiting to happen right now. Marcus Simeon is in a huge slump. He's had the most at-bats of any A's uh, player, and he has the most strikeouts, too, and he's hitting a putrid 207. Matt Olson, he's generated a lot of walks, but it seems like he's either hitting a home run, he's getting a walk, or he's striking out. And then there's the starting five. What is the deal with the starting five like we talked about? Sean Manea, 0-2 with a 9 ERA, 9 ERA. Damn. I know he's coming off his shoulder surgery, but he's missing targets, and he seems to be always fighting out of a jam every inning. Then we got Mike Flowers, the missile thrower. You see what I did right there? Missile thrower. I guess you didn't see it, but what I see he's doing is missing the mark. <laughs> what I see is he's missing the mark, and he's blowing quality starts and throwing away quality starts. He's 1-1 one one right now with a 6.86 ERA. He's not even averaging five innings for four starts, and he's giving up close to four runs and no starts. Very bad, very horrible. Now, we mentioned Chris Babbitt. He's been decent, 2-0 in the year, and four starts, 2.4 ERA, couple of walks, couple of home runs. Decent, real decent. Love your pick, Andy. Montas is a stud. You know, I was really feeling it when you brought him up 
in your uh, episode with the cutthroats on the A's kind of uh, soliloquy that you did, you know, love him, his stats, you know, 2-1, 1.57 ERA. I mean, dominating. And then you talked about in the other episode about him being 9-3, and three, but having the PED issue uh, that may have set him back. So I wonder, even with him, even though he is a stud, is he ready to take the ball in a crucial game? Is he ready to, to, to be that leader, to be that mature leader? And then there's Jesus Lazardo, the young phenom, looking great in his first career win. I mean, 17 strikeouts in the last two games he started. Dave Stewart, Oakland A's icon, four winning seasons of over 20 wins. The MVP of the World Series in 89, nicknamed Smoke, one of our best icons, was on 95.7 The Game episode with Bonte Stani and Guru. And if you didn't hear it and didn't know about Lazardo, he said, shame on you, he's a star. But he also stated that the current ace team does not have an ace. They do not have a Dave Stewart on the team. So where is it, Andy? I need to know. Do we have a Dave Stewart? Do we have an ace? Or are we still looking? Um, I think it's that's a really interesting question. And uh, I'm kind of thrown off that Dave Stewart would say that because of how well Frankie Montas has been playing this season and last season. Um, you take into consideration both of those and, that's an ace. That's ace quality. He, I mean, he was the AL West player of the week. So he, he's been playing absolutely lights out. He's 27 years old. He's a young guy. Uh, he's 2-1, 1.57 ERA, 23 innings pitched, 22 strikeouts. I mean, it's only the guy's fifth year. He, it's literally the sky's limit with him. And also you throw in Lazardo, And with how pitchers have been playing um, this season, you could almost throw in – Montas for four innings, throw in Lazardo for three or four, and you've almost got a whole game. So when it really does come down to it, yes, we may not have that one ace just yet. And I think by the end of the 60-game season, Lazardo and one either Lazardo or Montas is going to come out and, and really be that ace. But yeah, what, what do you think, Derek? Well, I, I think that, um, you know, I also think that's an interesting question. And, and I'm going to go with no. The A's do not have an ace right now on the roster. But for the sake of this conversation, every team needs to have a number one. And I think without a doubt that goes to Frankie Montas. I mean, for all of the points that you guys have already touched on with him. And again, you go back to last year before the 80-game PED suspension. We're talking about a guy who was 9-2 and two in 16 games, 2.63 ERA. And that's in 96 innings, which averages out to six innings per start. And, I mean, in today's baseball, if you could get six out of your starting pitcher every, day, every you know, fifth day, I mean, you're winning. You know, it has definitely turned into more of a bullpen-driven type of league where, you know, you're kind of piecing things together and, and you're bringing guys in situationally. And so I think with a guy like Frankie Montas, you look what he's done through his couple of starts this year and piggybacking off of, you know, where he had ended last year before the suspension. And I think hands down, he's the ace of this Oakland A's rotation. But as far as being a quote unquote ace, um, I, I don't see the A's as having one of those right now. Uh, but I do have a hot take um, that I have, you know, to solve that problem on the other side. Uh, so I, 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 we will get to that. But uh, Frankie Montas, hands down, I love Lazardo. I love what he's doing. But to give him the ball in a game seven right now, I just don't think he's ready for that. And me personally, I, I would lean towards rolling Montas out there. Yeah, if I had to decide, Montas would be the one. He looks like the strongest competitor. He looks like he's the one that would be able to take the ball on the fourth day or the second day or the third day. Um, whenever we needed him. But, yeah, I do have questions about just the maturity and um, just because of the fact, too, he hasn't really, other than last year and then this year, hasn't really done it before also. So I'm very inquisitive to see what's going to happen with him. I would say he is the best candidate if I was to choose an ace on the team right now. You would think it would be Sean Mania, but the guy is just, I mean, that shoulder surgery or that, that injury must be really affecting him because he just lost – you know, all of his motion. He's always in trouble in the innings. He's left, you know, so many times. So as far as had to leave early, so he's not really trustworthy right now. And I wouldn't give him the ball, you know, in the playoffs or if we needed a one game. I think it's, it's crazy that we're talking about even Lizardo in ace uh, contention because he's only started two games. 
So, I mean, that tells you, A, how good this kid is, how good he's going to be. And that's what I'm saying. I think as this season rolls out, if he keeps playing the way he is, why not? Why not give him the ball? I don't – we've been giving the ball to Sean Manaya. He's not that much older, you know? So I don't see why we wouldn't give him the ball. I would agree more with Montas. But at the same time, two – the kid's got two starts, okay? Two starts, and we're talking about him being the ace. I mean, sky's the limit. Yeah. And, and, and just to, you know, in defense of Dave Stewart, too, he also said that Lazardo's a star a bona fide star. He said, if you don't know about him yet, you need to know about him. And I like the little tease that you gave Derek right at the end too. I like that, man. But right now I want to take you on a journey down memory lane. And on this trip, I'm going to reveal a piece or pieces. I think the A's will need to put them over the top. This will crown them champions. And trust me, Andy and Derek will chime in and give their takes. Get ready. Cause it's all coming up on the other side. You're listening to the great debaters with a little bit of cutthroat on the Dream Team Podcast. See you in a tick. Thanks for making it back to the great debaters. It's Mike, Derek, and our special guest, Andy Chase, taking you up to the second half. And I wanted to start with the story. It's a story time, time, with Uncle Mike. Gather around, people. Come get you some popcorn. Did you get popcorn? Did you get a tasty beverage? Come a little closer. My young lad, Andy, come here, because I'm going to tell you a story about the last A's championship, and that's the 89 A's. The team that just came off a devastating World Series loss to the Dodgers, was favored to win in 88, didn't, won over 104 games or 107, I'm not clear, I forget, I'm sorry, uh, games that year, came in the 89, clear-cut favorites to win it all in 89, had Bash Brothers, Matt, Mark McGuire, and Jose Canseco, which Jose Canseco looked like he was swinging a tree log. That's how strong this man looked. I mean, massive individuals knocking the lining off the ball. And we had defensive juggernauts like Mike Gallego, Walt Weiss, Carney Lansford, and the true ace, Dave Smoke Stewart. Free agent pitchers, Mike Moore came over in the offseason. We had about 99 wins in that season. But there was a move that the A's made June 21st, 1989, that put the A's over the top. And that was for hometown hero Ricky Henderson, Hall of Famer. And, man, if you could have seen what he done in that, did in that World Series in 89, his stats was 474 batting average. He stole eight bases. He had three home runs. I mean, him and Dave Stewart was pretty much essentially the reason why the A's won the 89 championship. Now, I see a lot of similarities with this 89 team and this current team, like the Mats, Matt Chapman and Matt Olson being Jose Canseco and Mark McGuire, having, like you said, Robbie freaking Grossman being Carney Lansford that in the year in 89, Carney Lansford had the biggest batting average. And just a real quick stat, Robbie Grossman right now has a 200 WRC plus, which stands for weighted runs created. This basically means that, with his 311 battering average, his 466 on base percentage, and his 600 slugging percentage is twice as good as the league average right now. I mean, it's pretty much a, a, a metric that is created by the runs and your value by runs, and it's showing how valuable he is. But I want to get into it real quickly, Andy, is we've kind of stated maybe there's not an ace, but is there a person out there via trade that the A's need that will put them over the top to be in World Series champions? I think that's a, that's a great question. And uh, the last time we addressed this question, it was with John Lester and Yoannis Cespedes. And I'm still hurt about that trade. So when it comes down to it, would I like to see the A's trade for somebody? Maybe, maybe at best. Uh, I would rather keep this team together, what we have right now, and wait for – one of our because you know we talked about how our starting pitching is struggling but it's only really two guys who are struggling in Manaya and Fires so if one of them can pick it up if Fires can pick it up and Manaya can pick it up we are four solid rotational guys and starting pitching would really only be what I would look for and maybe get a cheap guy whose contract's ending at the end of the year like Trevor Bauer or uh, Tanaka or Arietta. those are uh, all guys who their contracts are ending at the end of the year. They're solid starting pitchers. So 
maybe if we do anything, get one of those guys or maybe get a catcher because Sean Murphy and Austin Allen have been struggling a little bit this year. I still have faith in Sean Murphy to turn it around. But my answer to that question is, is no. I, I don't want to see another Yoannis Cespedes trade for John Lester when it only helps us for maybe five, ten games when we get screwed over in the future. Okay. Derek, how do you go on this one? Uh, do we have everything well, or do we need somebody? Well, I tell you what, um, I'm still hurt by, by the, the Cespedes trade as well. And I think that um, I think a lot of A's fans, you know, when you bring up a question like this, are going to think back to that 2014 season and the wild card game against the Royals and how Lester was unable to get it done. And at that time, Cespedes was kind of at the height of, you know, maybe his potential as what we've come on to see with him. Um, but yeah, you know what, I, I've got to take that you know, I know it's not going to be popular and it, it hurts me to even say it. And uh, Andy kind of gave a, a little spoiler without even knowing it here, but uh, I'm going to go with, I, I think that um, a, a trade that could be made before the deadline is, is trading Marcus Simeon to the Reds for Trevor Bauer. Ooh. Okay. And I think when you talk about a frontline starter and you talk about an ace, in, in Major League Baseball, look no further than Trevor Bauer. I mean, we're talking about a guy who is 2-0 this year with a .93 ERA, 32 strikeouts. He's a frontline guy. He's a veteran in this league. And you look at Marcus Simeon and Trevor Bauer, both of these guys are free agents at the end of the year. So essentially what a trade would do is basically each team would just be renting the other's player. Right now – you know, uh, Cincinnati is starting Freddie Galvis at shortstop. And I think that, you know, no disrespect to Freddie, but we saw what Simeon could do last year, finishing third in the MVP vote getting. But here's the thing, and we all know this, okay? The A's and Billy Bean are not going to be able to keep everybody. And as much as I love Marcus Simeon, I mean, the objective has to be to keep the mats. Anything you got to do to keep Matt Olson and Matt Chapman that is the priority. A guy like Marcus Simeon, great story, okay? But we got to remember, you know, he, he the, the last year, and, and I hope it wasn't, you know, a, a, a one-time trip to the moon, but before that, he had not really flourished the way he had last year. And when looking to the future and knowing that there's guys out there that you need to sign, knowing that he's up next, I definitely see it as an option. And I think, you know, A's fans are going to say, well, then who's going to come in and play short? And I'm going to drop a name that I don't think many people are familiar with, uh, a guy by the name of V. Myel Machine, okay? Mm -hmm. A guy we got with our Rule 5 pick, play shortstop, good bat. That's a guy who they talked about competing with Barreto and Kemp uh, in the beginning of the season to play second base. He can play short. He plays all three positions in the outfield. Again, it would hurt to lose Marcus, but I think that that is a trade right there that could take us over the top and answer that question on if the Oakland A's have an ace. Trevor Bauer would be that man. Oh, I, I can't, I can't disagree with you, my man. I mean, that's a great pick with Trevor Bauer and it kind of sews up the, uh, ace perspective too that we would need that we kind of talked about we might not have yet. Marcus Simeon, real good story, hometown guy, you know, went to um, St. Mary's in Berkeley. So he's a hometown guy. It'd be hard to, to miss out on him and to lose him. But we all know he's getting ready to get the big contract this year. And just like you said, Billy Bean is all about money ball. He, he was made famous by how he does his inner workings with not paying and being able to still put out a great product. Um, with now putting out the big contracts. So I don't know if it's a good thing right now with Marcus Simeon kind of being in a slump that would maybe help us to sign him, but we know he's going to be looking for big cake, especially if he comes out of the slump this year. You know, he's going to be looking for the big dollars to, to get, and I just don't think we'll be able to pay him. But what about this thought real quick? Let me give you one, though, that, that, that may be on your mind or maybe it hasn't been on your mind as somebody that may be able to help us. Johnny Cueto. What do you guys think about Johnny Cueto with the San Francisco 49ers? As we know, they're not doing as good. They're kind of in a real rebuilding year. He's been okay coming off the Tommy John. You know, he's been one and know. He's, he's been getting into, you know, being able to stay in the game longer and be able to pitch longer, but he's been, looked good. He doesn't have 
the the speed like he used to. He has to kind of fool you with a lot of di different gimmicks to get you out. But he's still getting batters out. What do you guys think about Johnny Cueto? Uh, I think Johnny Cueto would not be an improvement, to be honest. Uh, he hasn't been playing as well as he did before he came to the Giants. Mm -hmm. um, and so to me, I think he would be taking a step back because I don't necessarily think he's better than Mike Fires right now. I think Mike Fires really only had one pretty bad game. And the other games, he's been serviceable, if not better. But I do like the idea of maybe a package for Marcus Simeon. But at the same time, you brought up a great, great point, Mike. And that's, is he, are we able to sign him because of his struggles this season? And I think that might be something that's more valuable than giving him up. And I know that uh, for Trevor Bauer, we're not just getting a, a player swap with Marcus Simeon and Trevor Bauer because with Marcus Simeon, how he's playing right now and Trevor Bauer, how he's playing right now, that would make zero sense. So I would think we would have to throw in, and I know we didn't bring up this player earlier, but, but Dykeman, Jake Dykeman has been having a great year. So maybe we could package Marcus Simeon and Dykeman, but at the same time, you're giving up depth in the bullpen. You're giving up uh, our, our number one hitter in the lineup or not our number one hitter, but the dude who hits first. And, like, Simeon has, has 17 hits this year, so he's not playing necessarily terrible. He only has five less hits than uh, Matt Chapman. So I, I think – I don't know. I like, the, I like the fact that you brought up that his struggles might make him available to be signed next year and not go for crazy cake. Yeah, and, and I'll be honest, when we talked about this, um, I thought about Johnny Cueto, but yeah, I'm going to agree with Andy on this one is I just don't see him as an ace anymore, and I don't think he would help us. Um, I, and, and again, I do also agree with the fact Marcus Simeon for Trevor Bauer head up is not going to happen. We are going to have to package, uh, whether it is a guy like Diekman, a prospect, some cash, whatever it may be. Um, but at the end of the day, I still think when, when you know, um, when you talked about that, and I just kind of want to, you know, look at this from the perspective of, okay, so what will happen in that scenario is we're going to lose a lefty, a hard-throwing lefty out of the bullpen and Jake Diekman, and he's going to be replaced by none other than A.J. Puck when Cup comes back off the I.L. In turn, we're going to get the front-line ace that we're looking for and give a young guy a chance to play shortstop. Even with Marcus's struggles, I believe he is bound to break out of this at any point. Is he going to return to his MVP form? I don't know. But is he going to break out of this? Yes. And I think that either way, in my opinion, any contract for Marcus at this point, when you're looking long-term at signing a guy like Matt Chapman, Matt Olson, we need to save all the money that we can get. The highest paid player on the team right now has not even been in the lineup consistently. And really, we don't need to see too much more of him at this point. We lose our leadoff hitter, yes, but we talked about a guy like Robbie Grossman and how good he's been. He could take over that leadoff spot. And I just see it as a solution. Do I think that it could happen? No, but it's something that I can see that would help the A's and kind of answer some questions and check all the boxes but I'm going to have to do a hard pass on Johnny Cueto. Yeah, it was just, you know, uh, a, you know, a push to see what 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 would stick, you know. I thought about Johnny Cueto. I thought he'd be kind of good for the for the long haul and push, but as we can see or as we say that maybe not the best for the A's right now. So it's kind of just like we might need something and and it might be Marcus Simeon. We we don't know. You know, hopefully it's not because I do feel like he's a very clutch player too. He, mm -hmm. he can come through in the clutch, and we may need that uh, going down the playoff stretch. You need but, that Coco Crisp-esque clutch player that we know is going to come up when the game's ready and, and get that hit. And right now, that's Ramon Laureano and Matt Chapman. So, yes, sir. And, and Marcus Simeon can be that guy. So I think, I think you're exactly right. He can, he can pull it out. He can be a lot better. Remind you guys, we're only in the first third of the season. What? So he's got a whole nother 40 games to figure out whatever's going on. The same thing with Crush. So let's not jump the boat just yet. We're having a great season. Uh, so I just think collectively as a whole, do we need another guy? Eh, 
you know, it's up, it's up for debate. It wouldn't hurt. It wouldn't hurt. Wouldn't it hurt. wouldn't hurt. But yeah, no, I'm 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 ready and just just really excited about A's baseball right now, man. And even that it's 40 games left, I'm getting ready for the quarantine parade, brothers. I don't know about you guys, man. But um, man, this has been great. Love love the A's talk, man. Thank you guys, man. Let's get into some quick hits. How about we do that? We got a couple of little topics we can get into real quickly. Um, still sticking with the baseball theme, with the MLB theme. But we're going to go real rapid with these takes just to get your feelings on what's going on, you know, in this week of baseball and just around the baseball hub. You guys good? Yes, sir. Let's get it. All right. So I'll throw it to you first, uh, Derek. Fernando Tatis Jr. Mm. Man, blowing up. Is he the new Ken Griffey Jr.? Is he the best guy in baseball right now? Well, you know what? I tell you what, I am extremely impressed with Fernando Tatis. I definitely cannot say he's the best player in baseball when there's a guy out there in Anaheim, Mike Trout. And uh, I, I think Trout is going to wear that crown for a long time. But what Tatis is doing is amazing. Hitting 316, eight homers and 18 RBIs. The eight homers rank second in the major leagues and the RBIs at 18 rank third. This kid is the truth. He is the future face of baseball, in my opinion. And, man, that Padres team, they, they, got, they got some action in these coming years to be really good. So watch out for them. But Tatis, man, he is a beast. Yeah, I think Tatis is a great player. Uh, definitely not the best player in the MLB right now because we're looking at a baseball god, a Michael Jordan of the sport, and Mike Trout that does not get nearly enough credit. Um, people forget that he's been second, third, or won the MVP almost every year he's played. I think six out of the seven. So that's never been done before. He, I mean, he's just out of this world good. But Tatis Jr. is a stud, fast, fun, hit 317 last year on 300 at-bats, hit 316 this year. The kid's got a lot, a bright future, and I think he could be at one point the best player in MLB. Yeah, Tatis has the flair. He's got the swag. He can do everything. He's a you know great infielder, great at the bat, bilingual. I mean, he's got it all, man, to be kind of the future and maybe the face of the MLB in the next couple of years. But I got to go with your Mike Trout, man. I mean, he should be called Mike Jaws or something or Mike Shark or something like that. I mean, this guy is scary, man. I don't want to see him at all. I turn the TV off, and usually when I turn it back <laughs> on, he's hitting a home run on the A's and putting them up ahead and stuff. So uh, I, I have to go with Trout, but Tatis is on a, on a clear, great path to be the new face of the MLB. Now we want to get into uh, MLB bubble. MLB has talked about having a playoff bubble with three city hubs with the uh, the MLB bubble. We've seen that the NBA, Major League Soccer, has all resorted to a bubble scenario with their season, and they've had no COVID positives. Everything has been going pretty smooth. People have left the bubble and come back to the bubble in quarantine, and it sounds like there hasn't been problems. So MLB bubble, what are you thinking about that? You think it's going to work? You like it? Don't like it? Uh, I got a few things about it. Uh, I like the idea of not having COVID positive players, but I do not like the idea of having a bubble and having us play in, say, New York. And the Yankees somehow, you know, end up getting to play at their home field for every game. I do not like that. It's not like basketball. You can't set up a bunch of courts next to each other. It, it, baseball fields are freaking huge. So if you're going to be in a bubble, it's going to be a, have to be in a place where there is two stadiums. So maybe in uh, San Diego, L.A., or even in the Bay Area. I mean, it's a possibility. So, But as far as MLB bubble, I like it. I like the idea, but I don't like the idea of somebody getting home field advantage all the time. Yeah, and, you know, it, it's funny. You know, I was thinking about this as well as – about one of the, the playoff teams potentially getting a home field advantage. Uh, the only thing when you kind of look at the logistics of this is, and with the expanded playoffs, I kind of feel that that could be inevitable. And kind of going through what, you know, has been talked about thus far and the different options when you're looking at three cities and different things like that. You know, me personally, I think the best option is going to be to do it in Southern California. And we all know that the Dodgers are going to be in it. 
which is going to, to create that home field advantage that you talked about. Um, you know, when you look at the stadium availability in Southern California, uh, you've got Chavez Ravine, you know, you've got that, you know, the Angel Stadium and you've got Petco down in San Diego with the Padres. So I think it creates a good environment where you could go and do your bubble scenario there splitting up the games. I think the biggest factor in choosing Southern California over, let's say, going to New York or to the Midwest is going to be the weather. Um, you know, you get into, you know, late September, October, very early November, you know, with baseball, there's going to be rain delays, you know, unlike football. So we want to make sure that in this truncated season that's already being ravaged by COVID-19, that we don't hit rain delays because we're playing all the games in the same area. So I think looking at the Southern California bubble is going to be the best. I also think that, you know, there's that option with how close that we are. You know, you could see if there was some logistical things, which I heard that some of the issues could be time to warm up if you're the first game that needs to be played before noon time in between games to wipe down the clubhouses and things like that you could see some bubble games up in the bay area and i absolutely expect our a's to be there so that could create some home field advantage for us so i think that either way you slice it and dice it if you want to try to avoid COVID wreaking havoc on the playoffs. This bubble scenario seems appealing to me. Uh, the one thing that I would have a problem with is that if the World Series is all played at one site, I am going to have an issue with that because I could see a rematch of the 88 Oakland A's and Los Angeles Dodgers, and I would not want to play all seven in Chavez Ravine. No, I, I totally agree with you. Um, I'm, I'm a bubble guy. I think the bubble has worked. I think the bubble is showing – us how we're able to continue with sports in this pandemic and be able to get it where it's a full regulated season and there's no hiccups and there's no stoppages. So I'm for the bubble. I, I think MLB bubble could work in the three different cities. Maybe like you were saying, I didn't really think about, you know, the weather and how that could play a part. So maybe we go Houston, you know, we go into dome areas, um, Miami, uh, places where, you know, we already know that there's high um, instances and positivity rates of the coronavirus in Florida, but yeah, the bubble in Orlando with the NBA is down there and they have no problem. So uh, a place, you know, like a Miami or a Tampa Bay Rays, I believe they have a dome also. Um, somewhere like that would be some good hub cities that I could see uh, making this possible. Cause I couldn't see the back and forth. Like if we had to play, like you said, the, the, the Yankees or anything like that, the back and forth in the playoff games would probably be too much and it could uh, cause an outbreak possibly. Um, Rob Manfred. Let's get into Rob Manfred. He had some uh, some interesting or an interesting conversation about the Cardinals when they had their outbreak and they had to lose uh, some of their games. And he's possibly even stating that they can be in contention, even though they may not play 60 games this year. Um, and they would still be in contention for the playoffs. And that even though they haven't played the full season or the full kind of um, protocol or made season for coronavirus, uh, but they would still be in it. Derek, how do you feel about that? How do you feel about what Rob Manfred said about the Cardinals? Yeah, so, you know, in, in regards to Rob Manfred's comments, I have a serious issue with that. I don't see how you could keep the integrity of the MLB postseason if there's going to be a team that plays less than 60 games. I think what he had kind of talked about was, you know, that they're going to go off winning percentage to determine playoff berths if a team can't play a full 60. And even though they have expanded it to 16, I don't see how you could have 15 teams play 60 games and the potential of a Cardinal team getting in that might be playing 52, 53, 54, 55 just doesn't make sense to me, and I don't like it whatsoever. Yeah, I think you're completely right. I don't like that idea at all. I think Rob Manfred has been the worst commissioner in all of sports right now. And he has dealt with the coronavirus in the worst possible way. And he's been deflecting all responsibility onto the teams. Now, uh, also, the St. Louis Cardinals did not do a good job going out and getting COVID. And, and I'm not going to blame that on all the players because it's not necessarily all their fault. And should they be in trouble for it? Possibly. But should they be gifted an extra couple of games? Of course not. I mean, that, that's ridiculous. So figure it out, Rob Manfred. But you're not putting a team in the playoffs with 52 games. Makes no sense whatsoever. Um, you blame the players for if they end up 
catching the coronavirus, but you're not putting the protocols on that they should social distance and uh, stay away and not, you know, go out and this, that, and the other. And then you want to say, well, they catch the coronavirus, that's fine, and we'll still give them, you know, a leg up or still get them. It doesn't make any sense to me. It's totally stupid. Masks are even mandatory, which it's just like, what are you doing? Yeah. it, yeah. Stop it, buddy. Stop it, buddy. It's just it, get over yourself, man. Let's uh, let's get on to it. Let's do the right things. Let's wear your mask. Let's let's put the right protocols in and let's make sure we get a great rest of the season because I'm pumped, man. I know you guys are. And man, this show was excellent, dude. I love it, man. Thank you once again, my partner in shine, Derek, for always being here, always being ready to go. And definitely shout out to Andy today for coming on, bringing the heat. Man, knowing that you, you, you're dealing with everything, and we all are, man. You still talk through it all. Great to have you, man. Thank you for coming on. Blessings to you, man. And uh, don't be a stranger, my man. Thank you. I appreciate you guys having me on. You know, I shouted you out, Mike, personally on yes, the, the Cutthroat Soup Show. It was about something a little bit different than the A's. I'm glad we could come together here. But I can't wait to uh, get on an episode with you and talk Raiders and Niners. You know it's coming, buddy. You just get ready, man. You stay, stay on course, man. Stay on oh, this topic, man. Because oh, I'm ready. I'm not sure if you're ready for that, brother. But Derek, you got any last comments? No, man. Just appreciate both you guys, Andy. Appreciate you going on and looking forward to talking some more A's in these upcoming episodes, man. And just kind of the progressions and see if you know a couple of these things come into fruition and see if there are any moves at the trade deadline. But. Uh, Really would love to bring that uh, World Series trophy back here to the Bay, man. Looking forward to it. Man, get your computers and your phones ready, man, for the digital parade, man, when we're having it in a couple of months, man. But that's it, man. Thanks to everybody listening. Shout out to you, the Dream Team Fiends. Shout out to the rest of the teams, the Cutthroat Soup, Back Center. Go and check them out on Spotify. Check us out on Instagram, TDD slash Bay Area. That's TD. T underscore Bay Area. And we're out. And I'm going to tell you, you can't have the fulfillment of the dream without the team. Yeah.